Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad that you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. Good morning. Good to be with you. Nice to uh, get out of Sycamus and come hang out at the studio, showed up with a mask and uh, made sure that I uh, washed my hands a couple times with that hand sanitizer stuff. They're as dry as sandpaper to prove that I did. It's good to be with you at Live Free. Been praying for you guys a lot and uh, glad to uh, be sharing um, some of the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. It's amazing. And uh, one of the reasons that I like the book of Acts so much is because it's all about transformed lives because you see this guy, Peter, and you can see how different he is um, from before when he denied Jesus, that he even knew Jesus, and to see him, what the Holy Spirit has done in his life. In Acts chapter 1 that you guys went over, you saw that um, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit like he promised he would, and how it transformed Peter and the other 11 disciples that were hiding in a, in a house after his death, scared, thinking that it was all over, and and uh, Peter went from being scared of what a little girl thought to being a bold man who now in Acts chapter 2 stands up and that's where uh, to preach. And that's where we, we take over from Acts 2 verse 14. And this is what God's word says. It says, Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and proclaimed to them, fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let this be known to you. And pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk. Why did he say that? Because you'd studied it before. That's when the Holy Spirit had come. And their behavior was that the Holy Spirit had filled them. And they had spoken in the languages of other nations that had been in Jerusalem. So that those people could hear the gospel, the good news, um, in their own tongue. So because they were, um, it looked like babbling in other languages, people thought that the disciples were drunk. And Peter says, these people that you see before you today that are talking in other languages, they're not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. I, really, not a lot of people are drunk at nine in the morning. They usually wait till after work, right? Happy hour, okay? So on the contrary, Peter says, this is what, what you're seeing is what the prophet Joel spoke about. And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. I will display wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord's coming. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We'll stop at verse 21 for now. So God's power came to his people. Like Jesus promised in Acts chapter 1, that the power of God would come upon his followers when they were praying in Jerusalem, when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. And uh, you could see what happened. An uneducated, ordinary guy like Peter, who was just a fisherman, didn't get to go to uh, Sabbath school, Torah school. 
And uh, once the Holy Spirit was in Peter, the power of God came upon his life. He turned Peter into something more than he used to be. And that's what God wants to do for every one of us. He wants to send his spirit to live in our hearts and turn us into something more than what we are on our own. And uh, I remember even as a young pastor, I was about 30 years old, and I just was at a youth pastor's retreat. We used to call it Thaw. And uh, Bill Clem came up to speak to us. It was in January. That's why we call it Thaw, because you thaw in the middle of January. And he would bring encouragement and challenge. And I remember he said, if anybody needs prayer, you come forward. And I really wasn't a go-forward type of guy. But um, I remember just feeling the ache of knowing I needed to be more like Jesus. And I just wasn't satisfied with who Bob Evans was. And I got up, and I went to the front, and I knelt down. And I was the only guy in the crowd that did that. And it was a little embarrassing, to tell you the truth. But I know, I, I knew I needed more of Jesus, more of his spirit. And uh, I wanted to make sure my heart was right with him. And I remember Bill coming up beside me and putting his arm around me and put, putting his hand on my head and praying for me. And uh, I remember just saying, Jesus, make me more than I am now. And uh, Jesus said in Acts 1 that he would send his power to anybody who wanted it. The Holy Spirit gave Peter, who used to be scared of what a little girl thought and accused him of knowing Jesus, and he denied knowing Jesus. He turned, the Holy Spirit, he turned that man who was a coward into a hero. Peter told everybody, this, what you see, is Jesus. This is, this is we're being filled with the Spirit of God. God said in his last days, and the last days started when Jesus went back to heaven. So we've been in the last days for 2,000 years, the, the age of the church. And uh, God said that he would fill his people with his spirit. And turn, he turned that ordinary fisherman into a prophet. He turns ordinary men and women into people who will dream new dreams. And that's exactly what happened. When the Spirit of God came upon ordinary men and women, they did crazy things like um, set slaves free, build the first schools, teach kids how to read, um, build the first hospitals, build the first colleges. They would dream new dreams for, for planet Earth that the Holy Spirit inspired them to do. Um, a young, educated uneducated man named Hudson Taylor just got going to China. No, no formal training in missionary work, and he would go there with the dream the Holy Spirit put in him. And China today is half Christian because of that man's work. Um, the Holy Spirit took over um, a young shoe salesman in Chicago, Illinois, who had really bad grammar and turned him into the Billy Graham of the 19th century. A guy named D.L. Moody would travel the world leading thousands and thousands of people to Jesus. Those are all dreams that, because of the Holy Spirit, that God has put into believers, that over the last 2,000 years, we've grown from 11 disciples to 2.4 billion Christians on the planet right now, the world's largest religion. Because the Holy Spirit, He enters a normal life and He makes us not merely human again. Peter was quoting um, yet another Old Testament prophecy, which the, Old, the New Testament's always quoting the Old Testament. And Joel was the one that he was quoting. And Joel prophetically announced that God would send his spirit to ordinary men and women. 
and turn them into blazing torches that would light up the darkness of the earth. And uh, Christians took down the Roman Empire because of this, not with swords or battle, but because the Spirit was in them. And the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, self-control, gentleness, those are the things, patience, those are the things that took over the Roman Empire. It took 300 years, but the Roman Empire went down because the Spirit of God indeed came into His people. And through their love and their message, Christians took over the world. God displayed His power in that way, and God is still at work today. And uh, when you see an ordinary, unschooled person have more of the character of Jesus than somebody that's got a master's degree from a seminary, you know God is real. And get this, this is amazing. Peter was preaching to the Pharisees who had killed Jesus. They were the guys that orchestrated his, his death. Peter brought the truth about Jesus to bear on the, their culture and say, you know, you killed Jesus and he died for you. He was speaking what's called prophecy. Now, when we think of prophecy, we think that prophecy is just um, telling the future. But an accurate definition of prophecy is bringing truth to bear on the culture that we live in. You and I can do that when the Spirit of God gives us a message for our culture. And it's culturally relevant for this moment in time. People need to know that God loves them. That he died for them. And that's what Peter was telling even the enemies of Christ. And people need to hear that today. Um, verse 22, Peter said, this Jesus of Nazareth, and he's speaking right, he's looking straight in the eyes of the Pharisees that killed Jesus, right? This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him just as you yourselves know. Because Peter knew that the Pharisees couldn't argue with the fact that Jesus had done miracles, that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. The Bible says in, in the book of John that one of the reasons they wanted to kill Jesus was because they could see that this dead man was now walking and he was back to life named Lazarus. And they wanted to kill Jesus because it was an undisputed miracle witnessed by hundreds of people. There's a good chance that the 500 people that had seen Jesus after his resurrection, that crowd of people were full of people like Lazarus, that man Jesus had raised from the dead. Jairus was probably there with the little daughter he had that Jesus had raised from the dead. Um, blind Bartimaeus, who could now see, was now in this great crowd that Peter was preaching to. And Peter could point out the miracles of Jesus people with names standing in front of them. And all the people knew that this had happened to those people. It was indisputable. And that's why Peter was saying to the Pharisees and everybody else, you know what I'm saying is true because you saw it with your own eyes. Jesus was and is the undisputed historical Messiah. Even Josephus, um, a Jewish historian that didn't know Christ as his Savior, has attested to the fact that Jesus was a wonder worker and his influence is indisputable. It's an historical fact. And then verse 23, Peter says to the crowd, he was delivered to you according to God's predetermined plan and foreknowledge. 
You used lawless, lying people to nail him to a cross and kill him. Peter was saying, you thought that you had won, that it was your plan succeeded, and you silenced him by crucifying him. Of course, you know he rose from the dead. You still claim not to believe that, but it wasn't your plan. The plan all along was that God would deliver Jesus into your hands, the hands of unjust men. And why Peter said lawless men was because the Pharisees even went against their own laws of holding a trial to have a sham trial where they produce false witnesses to bring up false charges against Jesus to get him convicted so they could kill him. Peter was confronting them and telling them this, but he was saying, it wasn't your own cleverness that got him killed. He walked into your hands and spread his hands out on the cross for you to nail him to the cross. He could have called 10,000 angels, would have wiped you all out, but he stayed on that cross. It says, yes, you killed him, but he allowed himself to be killed by you because Jesus was the Lamb of God, the sacrifice. And in verse 24, Peter said, but even though he was killed, God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. It's like trying to put uh, um, ropes on or handcuffs on Superman. You might have seen um, Superman movie. You know I'm a big geek. Man of Steel, Superman lets himself get arrested to uh, calm the fears of the military. And while he's being interviewed by Lois Lane and some of the soldiers, he just stands up and just pulls his hands apart and the handcuffs just break. It's not possible to hold Superman in handcuffs. Well, death was the same thing to Jesus, the Lord of creation. He just got up and broke death in half, as Tim Keller says. God raised him up. It wasn't possible for death to hold him. He paid the price, went through the suffering to pay for my sins. That was the price of my sin, the Bible says, is death. But he just got up and he beat death and he walked out of that tomb. And Peter says, even David, who you really respect, you Pharisees really respect David. David said, I saw the Lord Jesus ever before me. And David said, God has said to him, my heart rejoices, my tongue rejoices, my flesh will rest in hope because you, O Lord, will not abandon your Holy One to the grave. Jesus is God's Holy One, the Messiah. And God did not let Jesus' body decay in the grave. And David predicted this hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came. And Peter says, verse 29, brothers and sisters, even calling the Pharisees his brothers because they were Jews, I confidently speak to you about the patriarch David that you really revere. He, David, is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. We can go to David's tomb. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn an oath to him to see one of his descendants on his throne, and Jesus was from the line of David. And Peter was saying, seeing was what was to come, David spoke concerning the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned in Hades and his flesh did not experience decay. David, your forefather, prophesied that this would happen too. Peter was reminding them that these Pharisees who looked up to David as a hero, that David was pointing to Jesus. You guys got nothing to argue about. Even David pointed this out. The Psalms were prophetic. I've been going over the Psalms every morning in my devotions, and uh, I can tell you it's amazing 
How many times I read a psalm now, and that came true when Jesus came. Because the whole Bible points forward to Jesus coming. Jesus was alive. There is no denying it. He was the hero, the Messiah that God had promised even back when David was here. And then Peter continues. Not only did David foresee the resurrection of Jesus, but God has raised Jesus now, and we are all witnesses of it. So this massive crowd now that had been gathering to hear Peter talk, at least 500 of them were already believers. Paul said so. He said 500 witnesses at once saw Jesus. This wasn't a mass delusion. Men were willing to stand up in front of Pharisees and be arrested and even possibly killed for a lie. They were standing up because they'd seen it. Peter says, we are witnesses of it. And the Bible and even our courts today say that testimony is confirmed by two or three witnesses. When they all say the same thing, it's a fact. And here we had hundreds of people. Peter standing up with this new church saying, we are witnesses of it. The reason Peter was standing up was because these men and women were bold and they were not afraid of death now because they knew Jesus had beat death and had turned them into indestructible people. They weren't even afraid of dying for their Lord. Their confidence was in a risen Savior that they'd seen with their own eyes. They had seen him depart into heaven. And therefore, Peter says, since he's been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out his Spirit on you and me. That's why we're witnesses. Peter was saying the risen Jesus had sent the Holy Spirit who had changed his followers into these bold champions of the gospel that were standing before him. We, like Peter, today, if you have faith in Jesus, have the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's why we're in the career we are. Because God has said we want, we are the people that will bring the good news to the world. God's got you in the career he wants you in right now because he has sent you as a missionary to the people around you to proclaim the good news of Jesus by how you live and, and what you say and, and when you tell others that Jesus loves them, that he's real, you can change a life too because God's Holy Spirit is as much in you and me as he was in Peter and James and John. And those 11 guys, only one of them didn't die by persecution. Peter, all the way down to Thomas who went to India, gave their lives for the truth. And their blood, the blood of the martyrs, is the seed of the church. John was the only one that lived out his natural life. And God had a plan for that because he needed John to become an old man to write the book of Revelation. In John 16, Jesus told his followers this. I tell you the truth. It's for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. That's another name for the Holy Spirit. If I go and ascend to my throne in heaven, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will declare to you what is to come. And that's what happened. The spirit of God gave John, even the follower of John, the book of Revelation, which would declare um, the things to come about Jesus returning to earth. He will glorify me, Jesus says. The Spirit will glorify Jesus 
magnify the Son of God because He will take from um, what is mine and declare it to you. This is how Jesus speaks today, through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit spoke to these men that wrote the Bible. And we get to read the exact words, the exact truth, rather, of what Jesus said to his followers through the Bible. Even though the Bible gets translated in many translations, the one message, the content is the same. Jesus is risen. He's alive. He died for your sin. He rose again. He's returned to heaven. He's coming again one day. Get right with him. He'll send you his spirit into your heart to make you more than you are on your own, to change your sin, to give you a new heart and a new spirit. You don't have to stay the same. Nobody's stuck because the gospel is true. And Jesus said in, in John 16, verse 16, in a lo- little while, you'll no longer see me. But again, in a little while, you will see me. What did he mean? Well, it was a, probably a really sad day for the, for the disciples to stand on that mountain and see Jesus ascend into heaven and disappear from sight. But Jesus said, in a little while, you will see me again. And what he meant by that was the Holy Spirit came. And Peter, if he was here in Israel, and Colby was here in B.C., and uh, Pastor Cho is the pastor in Korea, we all have the Holy Spirit of Jesus. Jesus is with all of us, no matter where we are. If you want to see the Pope you got to wait for the Pope to do a tour to your city. And you, you will, uh, if you're a good Catholic, you'll spend hundreds, thousands of dollars to fly to the city where the Pope's going to drive through in his Pope-mobile, the bulletproof glass and everything. And you might get a glimpse of the Pope through the, cl- the crowd, and he might see you and wave to you, and that's all you're going to get to see the Pope. You're not going to get to talk to him or have coffee with him. But Jesus, he went to heaven so that everybody could get him. And when he sent his spirit into everybody, Jesus is with you and me every day. Sometimes when I get in the car and I'm driving to a visit in the hospital and I know it's going to be a hard visit, I, I know Jesus is with me and I talk to him and I say, thank you for being with me today. Give me the words to say. Jesus is available to everybody equally. Rich or poor, educated, uneducated, weak and strong, we all get in on Jesus. And this is why this message is so important. He's available to all of us. Jesus had a plan all along when he died for the sins of mankind to make himself, God, available to everybody, to give us the power to go on mission. We're sent. We're sent as his emissaries, as blazing torches going into a dark world to light it up. We're sent to tell people the truth, that this is not a man-made religion. This is God come after us. That's the difference between Christianity and every other religion, is that God himself came after us. We didn't have to get to him. Every other religion says, you got to get to him. Well, this is the good news. God came to us. Peter's standing there preaching to you and me today through the scriptures, proof that the word of God came true. The word of God that Peter was speaking says this, God said to Jesus, sit at my right hand and I'll make all your enemies your footstools. This is the truth. Jesus is no ordinary religious leader. Not a regular rabbi who appeared for a little while, flashed in a pan and disappeared. Not a false messiah. Jesus is the founder of Christianity. He's the king. He's sitting on the throne of heaven with supreme authority. Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth. Later, Paul would write that 
one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. All of his enemies will be made his footstool. Jesus will come back to earth and his enemies will be conquered. Peter says, therefore, since Jesus is king, he's got all the authority, you and all the house of Israel and everybody watching today, know with certainty God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Peter is putting them all on notice. All of you should know that even though you crucified Jesus, even though you were the villain in the story, God has declared him both Lord and Christ. It's as if Peter said, you were all wrong about Jesus. You crucified him as if you were criminal, but by his resurrection, God has proved that Jesus is Lord and Messiah. I'm not a Greek guy. My brother Paul reads Greek and Hebrew. I call him all the time and ask him questions. But Peter is saying the word, he is kurios, which is the Greek word for Lord, the supreme authority over heaven and earth. And he is Christos. He is the Messiah, the promised one. And you know what that means, folks? He's the answer. He's our king, and he's our hero that the world and you and me have always needed. He hasn't let go, even though this is a pandemic we're in. He's still our hero. He's got a plan. And this this is the beautiful thing about Jesus being the Lord and the Messiah, is that he's available to all of us, even the villains. This is an amazing thought to me. These guys standing in front of Peter, Peter was saying, even though you killed him, he was killed for you. You may not think that you're a villain. I know deep down in my skull, in my brain, I'm a villain. You don't know the thoughts of Bob Evans. I know that I'm not any better than the next guy. I know sometimes the thoughts that I have, thoughts of hatred, pride, lust. I'm not a good man on my own. Jesus changed me. He came into my heart and he's given me a spirit. And even when I fall down, he helps me get back up. Even though deep down I'm a villain, he can turn me into a hero. And he can do that with you. He even turned one of the villains into the hero that wrote half the New Testament, Paul, who was a Pharisee, who was probably in that crowd. The man that stood and oversaw the death of the first martyr, Stephen. Peter was saying that even you, you are not too far that Jesus can't save you. All you got to do is call on the name of the Lord. And Peter had just said that Jesus is Lord and he's king. Nobody's too far away to be saved. Nobody's too big a villain to be saved. Nobody's so far gone that Jesus can't bring them back. That's what he's about. The early Christians would mention on occasion that Jesus was God And that's why he was able to save. They would quote the Old Testament in reference to Jesus, Yahweh. Peter uses the names Lord and Christ for you and me today too. Make Jesus your Lord. Make him your king. Bow the knee. Get alone before God and bow before him. Kneel before him. C.S. Lewis reminded us that what we do with our body affects our soul. So get alone and kneel before God. Say, you are my king. Nobody else will see you but Jesus. But God has promised that he'll reward you when you're humble. Humble yourself before the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up, James said. Jesus is the Messiah. That means he can save you, no matter where you are. You're not stuck. Therefore, I'm going to paraphrase what Peter said. Let all of Canada know 
with certainty that God has made this Jesus that we're talking about today both Lord and Messiah. With certainty, you can know him. That Jesus is Lord and Messiah. He'll save you. You just got to call out. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Certainty means you can be sure. I just looked up the definition because I like this, doing this for myself. I can be certain and sure that Jesus will do this. I can be positive he'll do it. I can say it with confidence and conviction. I have a reliable, proven Lord. His name is Jesus. And because he's Lord and Messiah, he can save you like he saved me, like he saved Peter, like he saved Paul. He will because he said he would. Let's pray. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you will reach out into the hearts of anybody listening and help them to know they're not too far gone, that you're the God who saves, that you're the God who with open arms will receive anybody that comes running. I pray, Father, that people will just call on your name, O Lord. Jesus, that they will call on you. The Spirit of God, Holy Spirit of Jesus, you will work in people's hearts to bring them in and help us all to know how much you love us. I thank you for this good news. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.